Hello and welcome to this ACE Oncocast, updates on oncogene-driven non-small cell lung cancer from the World Conference on Lung Cancer, WCLC, in Vienna. My name is Rob Coleman and I'm a medical oncologist at the University of Sheffield in, in the United Kingdom. I'm pleased to be joined today by two lung cancer experts, Dr. Michael Thomas from Thorax Clinic at Heidelberg University Hospital in Germany, and Dr. Paul Paik from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. In today's ACE Oncocast, our clinical experts will be exploring new data on osimertinib resistance and emerging strategies to overcome the resistance. So based on survival benefit in the FLORA trial, osimertinib has become the preferred standard first-line therapy for EGFR mutant non-small cell lung cancer in many countries. If patients receive first-line, first- or second-generation EGFR TKI, they commonly develop EGFR T7090M resistance mutations. And in this case, osimertinib is used second-line. But developing acquired resistance to osimertinib is also inevitable. And at this conference, Dr. Ramalingam presented an interesting observational study on resistance mechanisms to osimertinib. Paul, can you please first highlight what are the known mechanisms of osimertinib resistance and describe the key findings from the data presented by Dr. Ramalingam? Yes, so resistance mechanisms for osimertinib given really first or second line are not too different, which sort of intuitively makes sense from the biology. It's the same drug. Um, but I think like you had pointed out, Rob, unlike resistance to first-generation TKIs, there is no overwhelmingly common resistance mechanism present like T790M. Uh, rates of metamplification are higher, and that's been a key focus from a trial perspective, and this happens about 15% of cases. Um, C797X mutations, most of these are S mutations, are also present um, in a more common fashion than with first-gen TKIs also, and this happens about 7 to 14% of cases. And really the last thing that's important to note is histologic transformation either to small cell or squamous cell lung cancer, and that happens about 5 to 10% of uh, cases. And then there are all a whole host of other bypass pathway alterations involving KRAS, HER2, P3 kinase signaling. We really don't know what the significance of these alterations are, though. And then 40% are sort of unknown, at least from a genomic perspective. Uh, but because of those myriad kinds of alterations, it's like what we talked about before, next-gen sequencing really is critical here to try to identify any of these things that might occur. But the other thing that I'll mention is that we really need a real tumor biopsy and not just ctDNA testing. Because of that histologic transformation, you can't tell histology based on DNA alone. You got to actually take a look at the cells morphologically under the microscope. And so that's a very important part of this. Um, what I'd say is in summing up Ram's presentation is that for me, the most interesting part is that he had showed temporal kinetics in the development of some of these resistance mechanisms, which really didn't understand before. So for example, these C797X mutations seem to happen later on after one year of osimertinib therapy versus some of these other mechanisms of resistance like metamplification, which tends to happen earlier. So I think in general and in summary, it's just adding to the body of literature showing some additional temporal kinetic information uh, but just highlights some of the complicated nature of resistance to osimertinib um, that we're beginning to see. Thank you. That's interesting and, and really highlights the, the higher need for development of novel treatments to target uh, particularly the C797X mutation. In terms of targeting a meta-amplification that may be present or develop on osimertinib treatment, 
We know that adding MET inhibitors to osteomotin may be beneficial. Michael, can you please comment on this? And uh, were any new data on this approach presented? Yeah, there have been uh, some new data here, and particularly mentioned here uh, Zabolitinib, uh, which has been uh, tested uh, in an extended um, phase two setting in the Savannah uh, approach, Savannah trial. And here patients uh, have been enrolled after failure towards ozimertinib when they showed uh, a MET uh, amplification proven by IHC positivity uh, in, uh, with um, uh, three times plus in more than 50% of the tumor cells um, and or a MET amplification with a MET copy number greater than five and a MET CP7 signal ratio of greater than two. This has been the uh, inclusion criteria to expose patients to this MET inhibitor in combination with uh, ozimertinib. Uh, and here data have been presented on 193 patients. And of those 193, uh, almost half of them or more than half of them showed the IHC of um, 90% positivity, 90% three times plus, uh, and or a fish status uh, of 10 times um, amplified. Uh, and in this population, with this very high amplification, the combination uh, of safolitinib with ozimertinib exerted a response rate uh, of almost 50%, 49%. Median duration of response has been 9.3 months, and median progression-free survival 7.1 months. In the total population, which I just mentioned, 193 patients, this response rate has been Lower, it has been uh, 32%, median duration of median duration of response 8.3 months, and median uh, PFS 5.3 months. Uh, in patients with a lower uh, fish status than 10 and a lower expression uh, than 90% uh, threefold plus, uh, the response rate has been very limited, only 9%, and PFS only three months. So. I think um, uh, this uh, evaluation uh, of Samana shows impact, particularly in patients with this very high expression or very high amplification. So this is one takeaway that we have seen uh, at WLCLC. And uh, currently this strategy is tested in a phase three setting after failure of ozimertinib. Uh, in uh, combination again, zavolitinib with ozimertinib, comparing it against chemotherapy. This is a phase three trial, uh, which is entitled the Saffron uh, trial. And uh, even more, this strategy already is advanced into, in the, into the first line setting, exploring here the impact of uh, ozimertinib in combination with zavolitinib versus placebo. Uh, in uh, patients that show an overexpression with MET. And this first line trial strategy uh, is entitled ZANOVO. Uh, uh, so far, to the developmental, developmental line with uh, Zavolitinib. And there are further data that have been shown uh, in terms of Tebotinib as well. So, this have been real world data. Uh, taking advantage of uh, compassionate use programs uh, of um, tebotinib. And here 
uh, institutions have reached out uh, on the compound uh, in terms of patients that showed an elapse um, with EGFR alterations and uh, in patients with an overexpression, tepodinib then has been employed and here uh, in 12 patients that have been assembled in a poster, a response rate of 66% um, has been shown though. This is a glimpse that tepotinib uh, is exerting here efficiency as well. And this is now, um, you know, formally assessed uh, in a trial setting. This is an inside two trial uh, where the combination of ozumertinib with tepotinib is tested in patients that shown elapsed towards ozumertinib treatment and provide a MET amplification. And uh, inside two is ongoing and uh, it's recruiting. Thank you. Um, Paul, any, any other comments, or other studies that you're aware of or, or specific insights that you'd like to add to Michael's? Sure. So there are a couple of different sets of abstracts that were also of interest. So in addition to the MET-TK approach uh, targeting MET amplification, Dr. Marmorellis had presented some data from an amivantamab plus lazertinib combination with chemo to try to get at this from an antibody-based approach. And this was following um, resistance on first or third gen TKI. Um, not, I think, an easy combination therapy. We already know that AMI plus laser has some toxicity associated with it. Um, so there were high rates of neutropenia and also uh, a degree of thrombocytopenia. The response rate was 50%, but we need to know exactly what this looked like in the 50% of patients who received prior OC, and that wasn't presented, unfortunately. Um, and then the other set of abstracts that I think were of interest were the fourth gen TKI data that could target C797S as a resistance mechanism. So Dr. Cho from South Korea had shown some very nice preclinical data for one of these compounds. And then Dr. Lim had shown some early clinical data for a compound called BBT176. So I'm certain next year, the years to come, we'll see more uh, clinical data with these compounds as well. Well, thank you, Paul and Thomas. This was a great discussion. And thank you all for listening to this program brought to you by Ace Oncology. Thank you.